Hi, it's John Bernadovich, your host of the H Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to season three. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope of finding what it takes to do HR like a boss. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. I'm super excited on today's show to have Gary Zeligowski. Gary is a longtime friend of mine. We networked years and years and years ago. I really am so thankful to have him as a friend in my HR community and super excited to have him on the podcast. Gary, welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. Glad to be here, John. And it's uh, not to get too Chip and Dale on the on the. Uh, people I admire thing, but um, I we were reminiscing a little bit before we started to record. Uh, I admired the way you've approached your career, and I find it very fortuitous that we met 10 years ago and glad to, to have maintained that association. So um, appreciate being here and glad to, glad to connect on your podcast. We can add this experience to our relationship, which is awesome. I'm super, super excited Amen. to spend any time I can with you, but also share your wisdom with our HR community. I know you have a fair amount of it, but for those that don't know Gary, would you mind telling our audience a little bit about your background, your passion for HR and what you're doing these days? Yeah, so um, my background is um, the bulk of my career was in HR, but um, to this day on my resume and on my LinkedIn, uh, my career started in um, uh, technology sales, um, and it moved from there to, I spent seven years in the technology space in corporate America. So I, I continue to include that as part of my story because I think it makes me a better HR person. Um, when I'm helping uh, technology people, I've carried, you know, I've run projects. I know what deadlines are. Um, when I'm helping sales people with HR matters, I've carried a quota on my back and had to make my numbers. So um, uh, I'm not a cradle HR person, but it is my passion. Um, interestingly, I thought about it in college. I took those couple other stops along the way, but wound up in, in HR um, and, and uh, to some pretty senior role, uh, roles with um, most of my career was with National City Bank that became PNC. Um, I, I left amid that integration and uh, rounded out my corporate career at the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland. Um, so it was a, it was a good run. I stepped away from corporate life. I retired in uh, 2019. I get some chiding about whether I'm really retired or not, because as part of my, my LinkedIn says I'm 80% retired and 20% running a little consultancy. So I still do a little HR consulting on the side. Um, and I, the, any earnings I do with that is I, I say retirement or retirement frivolities at funds and charities. I do some uh, nonprofit work as well as donate a, a part of my earnings from the business. So it's, uh, I'm blessed. It's a good place to be. And it, and it was a good run in corporate life. Yeah, that's awesome. Not surprised to hear you tell that story, having met you uh, about a decade ago and just uh, understanding your your reputation in the HR community is is very, very sound, well-respected, well-liked. And then just, just your demeanor and acumen and, and approach to things. Uh, that's why I wanted to have you on the show so you could share some of that wisdom. If you've listened to the podcast before, Gary, you know that purpose is a huge part of why I wrote my book, uh, HR Like a Boss, and why I do this podcast. So I start all guests out with the same question and how would you describe the purpose of human resources? 
Yeah, I kind of have an updated purpose, I think. So, right, everything changes over time. So I, I often talked about HR as being kind of the bridge between the, the real operations of the business and the people side of the business. And um, we've all been through a global pandemic, right? So as I was thinking about answering this question today, the bridge, the bridge makes makes the people side seem more distant from the operations of the business than maybe we want it to be. So maybe maybe HR is more the health department of, of the business, right? So we're, we're, we're monitoring what's going on in the business and we have expertise when, when things go awry to help uh, solve those kinds of things. So, but regardless of how you look at it, it's focused on the people side of the business and more and more um, the people side of the business is the business, right? So um, we're, we're the experts in that space and they're to help the rest of the organization um, leverage the assets that, that live in their people. Yeah, and I know that's all become so incredibly challenging, you know, post-pandemic 2020 plus. I know uh, we've all probably seen and had the impact of the great resignation and the great attrition that's been going on in the market. And for some of your clients, I'm sure are feeling that as well. And you couple that with, this kind of reason for the labor shortage. We always thought it was you didn't like working for who your manager was. Well, now McKenzie, not too long ago, kind of blows that up a bit and talks about different challenges that employers are facing as it relates to why people are leaving. So do, do you have any thought process on how the impact of the great resignation and this, this, this attrition that's happening and what employers can do to combat it, to be strategic about that number one thing, their people? Yeah, I think it. I think it's it's always been interesting, right? Right. It's it's how we make money as consultants in the space, but it's also how, what what keeps us the gears spinning and and keeps us productive uh, in the HR space. So I think I it's I, I become more and more aware. So think about what we've been through since the pandemic broke. You know, there was this big runoff with with the shutdown and everything like that. And then the economy reemerged, and now with the looming clouds of recession, it's it's almost been like a roller coaster ride, right? So, um, it, it's gone from pushing people out the doors because of of COVID to trying to get them back in, and people deciding they weren't happy in the great the great resignation, right? And now it's you know there's talk of well, you see it in the tech space, right? The layoffs are starting, so you know it's it's just a a weird scenario over the last couple three years. And I think that one of the things that I've, be, I've become aware of just over the last couple of three weeks is a lot of those people from the great resignation are actually rebounding back to the organizations they left. Um, I was at a, at a seminar where this was spoken of, um, and that was on a Thursday, Saturday night. I was at a 50th wedding anniversary for friends of ours. Their son is one of those rebounders. He left for, you know, greener pastures and found out the pastures weren't that green and he, he actually was in the sales space. He's back to his original employer who wanted him back badly enough that he's working in the office through a non-compete agreement until they can put him back in the field. So it's there's a lot of interesting dynamics going on. And, and I think the companies that are creative and taking some risks in the way um, in the way that Eddie's, you know, sitting on the bench waiting to get back in the sales game, you know, not every company's created an enough to think of that you know they'd be out finding the next guy that could pound the pavement today but i think people who are being creative um with those kinds of approaches and solutions are, are the ones that are going to win in this thing um you referenced the mckinsey article you know they they and there's different spins on this over time too right but they stratify you know four or five different personas and i think part of that creativity is is um 
target marketing, if you will, those personas and 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 uh, coming to each with an approach as opposed to trying to paint with a broad brush and say, come work for us and, and not having any distinction that what attracts me might be different than what attracts you, John, or, or, you know, what attracts, you know, somebody in the 20 to 30 age bracket is, is a different uh, value proposition altogether. So. Yeah, no, it's interesting. You shared that about um, your, your, your connection. I had a client tell me they had 125 people come back this year. They, she, she described it as boomerang, right. And then they yes. had her on the show is a, a very interesting dynamic. And, you know, I think, I think when you make short-sighted, decisions maybe maybe that wasn't at the time short-sighted but maybe you were chasing that that big payout or that signing bonus or there was a reason that was compelled as everybody was trying to find new talent and then when you settle into that organization it doesn't feel that that great and what you had before feels a little bit better so your actions your feet your feet do a lot of talking when you make that decision yeah and, and the boomerang was was the word used at the conference i was at um the garification of that was rebounder, but either way, you know, people are, are going back where they started. So interesting scenario. Well, one of the things I think that's, it's certainly unique, at least from the HR perspective. And as you talk about like why employees leave an organization and how they evaluate those opportunities, one of the, one of the most important parts of me writing this book and, and having the podcast is kind of broadening some of the ideas of focus areas for the HR profession and, and, and one of them that I hear a lot from non-HR folks is they'd love to have an increased level of financial acumen from their HR colleagues and ones that understand balance sheet and profit and loss and um, COGS and top line revenue and indirect expense. And you go down the line. And I'm just curious, like from your standpoint, having 30 plus years of corporate experience working for you know, you know, two large financial institutions in our Northeast Ohio community, how important do you think that financial acumen is for an HR pro? I, I, you've got to have it. I mean, it's, it's non-negotiable almost. So, so you, you know, think about what I said at the top about the purpose of HR is, is um, ensuring the health of the, the people part of the organization to, to deliver for the organization. You need to know what the organization needs delivered. And so um, the financial piece of that, if you don't know, if you don't know how the company makes money, um, you're not you're not going to be sensitive to how to to best deploy the people to that end, right? So you you have to have a basic level of appreciation for how the company makes money and how, frankly how the company incurs costs. Um, you know there there are some organizations where and most of the organizations I work for, the biggest part of their cost structure was the people. So by definition, the, the people part of the equation gets a lot of attention um, and you need to know that as opposed to an organization where maybe they have a lot of capital costs. If it's a big you know, manufacturing organization, you know, the structure is different, you, then, then the emphasis on the people is going to be different in that organization. But you, you need to be aware of that and you need to be aware of that to, to stay ahead of the curve. So, you know, when, when I was with National City and the Great Recession was was coming, you know, the writing was on the wall. You could, you know, as, as our CFO described at the time, right? This is a finance conversation. We, we were writing mortgages and a big part of how we were making money was selling, bundling those mortgages and selling them off. So we were putting a lot of, as he described it, we were putting a lot of money in a bathtub and it was running out the other end and we were making some spread on that in between. 
I understood that as an HR person. And when I saw what was happening, uh, as he described it, somebody put a plug in that bathtub. Well, the organization is in trouble when the bathtub starts overflowing. So, so um, we had to make a lot of people moves in that scenario. And it was, is you know, the Great Recession was widely publicized, but I knew some of the math that led us to that place. So, um, and then at a more tactical level, a big part of my career was in the, the compensation space. So again, you know, if I'm paying salespeople, I need to know the margins on what they're selling um, so that I know how much of that margin the organization is willing to spend on compensating that team to come up with the right mix. You know, do we pay it in salary? Do we pay it in uh, incentive pay of some sort? You know, so there's a lot of financial information that goes into that as well. So um, I, I, I was in one organization that ignored some of those facts and actually shut down their sales incentive plan in August of a given year because they ran out of money to fund it. And I, I left that organization in December of the prior year because I saw that coming. So um, it's, it's an imperative. You've got to have an appreciation for it as an HR person. Yeah. People might, but numbers will never lie. That's what uh, one of my business partners once told me. The numbers will never lie. And your understanding of them is is critical, paramount, as you said, essential in in that importance for HR pros. And, and I think I, I will. I'm sorry to interrupt. I will tell you a sequel to that. The uh, you, you have to understand it. You don't have to like it. I mean, I, I could have been an accounting major. I chose not to be an accounting major. And so, as a leader in an, in an HR organization, my team knew if they wanted to score points with me, they could take a, a meeting with the finance team. You know, so so I understood it at a broad scale. I didn't want to dig too deep into it. Yeah, and I always, you know, I, one of the things I, I learned in in this journey, Gary, of writing my book is that there's a lot of like how to's and there's certain aspects of, okay, so understanding financials. Well, what does that mean, John and Gary, as I'm thinking of uh, a listener out there? To me, I simplify that into two, two areas. Number one, as I've been taught, a balance sheet shows the health of your organization, right? Your assets, your liabilities, you get those out of whack or there's some something you don't understand that's on that balance sheet, ask the question is what right. I would encourage you. And secondarily, on your profit and loss, like understanding a PL to me is even more important as an HR professional. Don't get me wrong, a balance sheet is 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 right. health health understanding, but uh, a PL kind of gives you a chance to look at historical trends and understand like where the specific details are of how your revenue is trending, where our costs of goods sold are, and all the ratios of that. Like as you look at those numbers, look at how your revenue relates to your costs of goods sold how your profit compares to your relates to your your revenue targets and so just looking at that and i know you know as we're recording this we're probably in a lot of uh, budget season time we're launching out new budgets for team members like just becoming more and more educated on that and diving yourself into it i don't think you have to go back to kent state or ohio state or take a course online for finance 101 but just really study that pnl and ask questions like i think your finance peers would be intrigued. They love to talk about that stuff. Tell me what this means. And uh, just because you don't know doesn't mean a lot of other people don't know. Right, right. And it's, you know, I, I mentioned I left an organization. Um, that organization was, um, they they did a, a seesaw kind of scenario in the few years that I was there, where one year it was, um, we're going to tighten our 
belts until the the our eyes bug out of our head and the next year it was well we can spend our way to success we're going to do all this advertising and everything and when i went to the new organization um when i walked in the door was eh, call it 1995 the mantra was flat to down budgets until the year 2000 that's not an easy mantra to hear but at least you knew the rules every every morning when you woke up right so you knew we knew where our financial friends' heads were, and and we knew what you know how to play the game. So, yeah, no, that's that's good. That's great expectations. It's it's hard it's hard to play a game when the rules are always changing for sure. Right, and right. It creates confusion. Well, hopefully, people are not confused by our, our sponsor, who's really near and dear to my heart. Uh, Willery supported the formation and continues to provide great resources. Thank you, Lizzie and Bridget, specifically to put on the HR Like a Boss podcast. Willery's purpose is to empower people and is focused on supporting mid-sized companies with our direct hire and temporary staffing support, along with our client-side HR technology and advisory consulting practice. So if you're struggling to find talent for your HR payroll teams, or you're not getting that return on your HR technology, please visit willery.com to learn more. No other shameless plug needed, Gary. We'll move on to the next question. All right. So- You've had a incredibly successful career in human resources. I know when we met each other, you did have a, a stop along the way while you were doing a lot of networking and looking for that next career stop uh, within your within yourself. But what I'm most intrigued by, Gary, is how you're doing what you're doing now. So I, I'd love to like, understand how to build a successful career, but I know I have a lot of boomers out there that are listening and are wondering, well, what's next for me? And this Gary guy seems pretty happy and content with how life is. So (laughs) tell your story a little bit about uh, how to build a successful career in HR, especially at the tail end of it. Well, so, so what I tell, so part of what I'm doing now is coaching people in those career transitions, right? And what I've told people for many, many years about whether it's an HR career or a sales career or a technology career is you got to, and by the way, I had all three of those careers, right? So, so part of building a great career is knowing the tools in your bag and watching for opportunities to apply those. And so, you know, my, my career progression was, was stepwise. I was selling technology services. Um, One of my prospects, um, I, I never did sign them up, but they had an opening in their technology department. You know, that became my next job. I, I worked a few years there, uh, seven years there. Um, in fact, I'm going to a reunion party with that group next week. Um, so it's a good part of my career. Um, and then that technology led to technology at one of the major financial institutions in town where I was supporting uh, the sales reporting. So part of my earlier career, right, I was supporting the sales reporting and the um incentive comp for the branch network. So part of my past was I, I had been in sales. So the, the sales reporting piece and then the incentive comp, lo and behold, was going to become part of my future. So um, a step, a step, a step. So in that role in technology, I got invited across the street to work for the client I was serving in the in the retail banking part of the organization. They took a shine to me and, and brought me over there. Um, I told you I, I was underwhelmed with some of the decisions being made um, from a financial perspective um, and, and wound up at uh, I'll, I'll, the bulk of my career was with the National City PNC organization, which is, 
I mentioned earlier, um, and it was an HR job. And it was that connection to the incentive comp that launched the HR portion of my career. So each step of the way was, you know, watch for opportunities to apply what you're doing and, and maybe extend or build upon that. Um, you know, and that led me through, you know, working in the compensation world is closely tied to performance management. People get their performance reviews. They get uh, they get a raise, to put it simply, to oversimplify it. Um, I, I wound up running the performance management and succession planning part of the HR organization for National City for a while. Um, and then I became more broad with all this different experience I built up. I became an HR business partner. So um, people who remember those commercials back in the day, I used to say the HR business partner is really the Verizon guy, right? So they got all these, these resources behind them. It's employee relations, it's compensation. You got all these people behind you. I was in those roles at pretty senior levels of the organization. And, and for a time uh, before National City got acquired, I was chief of staff to the head of HR. So um, kind of uh, a career beyond my wildest imaginings, um, but each step um pretty calibrated to a, a move um we discussed earlier i'm not a real risky kind of guy but each step a move based on things that i've done before so whether it's an hr career or any kind of career again take a step at a time and and stretch a little bit i had a boss at one time who talked a lot about 15 percent outside your comfort zone is is probably a good place to play so and i love when we were talking in preparation for the call i just curious as to what you were doing these days and you, you yeah. said i am retired i am retired right i am retired even though my my linkedin might say something different but i'm spending the time doing the things i want to do and how and who i want to do them with and i know uh, you got a lot of pride for your family and your daughter specifically that's building out a nonprofit that i know you invest a lot of time and energy into and you're supporting uh, those, again, as you mentioned, in career transition or other HR capacities uh, in this retired life. So uh, I know may maybe it might work a little bit harder in the wintertime when there aren't as many available tea times, which I know that that's, that's part of how my life is. Amen. My family jokes to that, but um, <laughs> there there is, I see, I see it a lot, Gary. I see a lot of boomers that for a variety of reasons, I think, you know, obviously the unique times of the uh, 08 market correction, uh, obviously the the COVID uh, challenges with the market, even what's happened this year with the market. Um, certain people have this nest egg dollar amount that they want to have in mind. They don't have that because of things out of their control, but they do want to retire. And I, I can't encourage you enough to go do it because there's ample amount of work out there. And uh, in some cases that, uh, that slightly gray hair or uh, <laughs> that wrinkle or two on your brow uh, there's a lot of value. Those, those those are earned stripes for a lot of people that I know nowadays, at least I do, uh, we've had a ton of success in hiring subject matter experts that, uh, frankly, we probably couldn't afford at a full-time rate, but because yeah. they're doing something in a, in a, in a kind of um, success successful way and kind of this uh, second career that uh, we, we get to, we get to leverage their, their great knowledge. So I, I think it's awesome what you're doing, Gary, keep it up. Yeah. I'm, I'm having fun with it. And it's, you know, part of that is the success I had earlier. Part of that is, you know, we lived below our means for many, many years because this was something we wanted to do. My, my dad told me um, when he retired, he said, A, do it as soon as you can. And B, I don't know how I ever had time to work. And uh, I'm, I'm living my dad's advice. So, yeah, well, living below your means is a huge part of that. 
gives you opportunities. I tell that to my kids all the time. Uh, money, money will do that for you. Money shouldn't be the end all be all, but it certainly can create opportunities for you. Right. Well, speaking of opportunities, this has been an incredible experience for me, Gary, not only to, to get to know you more, but to have you on the show and continue our fellowship. I'm going to get you out of here on the last question I ask all my guests. Obviously, the podcast you're on is called HR Like a Boss. The book is HR Like a Boss. So how would you, Gary, describe someone that does HR Like a Boss? So I would... Uh... I'll, I'll poke a little bit first, right? Because HR, so we had a CEO when I was at National City, used to come into the lunchroom and see HR people and he say, how are things in personnel? And, you know, that's a little anachronism, right? And so like a boss might be a little anachronistic because um, we talk now about managers and leaders, right? But I, I pick your terminology. It it's, goes back to all the things we've talked about earlier in this conversation, right? You got to know how business works. So HR like a boss is about being um being cognizant of how the business runs and how you in your role of hr can help achieve better outcomes for the business and hopefully a big part of that is helping people build great careers so if you look at my website you know i talk about um it's a collection of great career you help people build great great careers and as they do that it can't help but propel the company to greatness. So it, a, a company should be a collection of people all having great careers in its ideal state. That's what uh, being HR like a boss means to me. Awesome. Well, Gary, thanks so much for being on the show. As I do in all of the podcasts, I'll do a real quick recap of some of the unique nuggets that you shared along the way. First and foremost, we talked about this idea of in that great resignation timeline, this this rebounder or the boomerang uh, candidates that are coming back to your organization. So think about those folks that have left your company. They thought we're a great cultural fit. We're performing. Maybe reach out to them to see how their new job is going if they've happened to so leave. Also understanding how your organization makes money so you can de deploy your human resources appropriately to make more of that money for, for the organization, understanding your financials and how that all works. On a personal note, to build a great HR career, knowing what your strengths are and apply them to opportunities as they present themselves and make yourself, I think I heard the number 15% uncomfortable when you're stretching yourself outside of what you're most used to or in your comfort zone. And uh, you also talked about understanding how your business works and helping uh, the organization achieve its results. And if I end on one great point you made, something your dad said, retire as soon as you can, because you'll never know how, how much that time will uh, be spent uh, living in retired life, how you ever had any time to work. I, my dad used to say the same thing. So great job, Gary. More alignment between you and I and the universe, right? It's <laughs> awesome. Appreciate you being on the show. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please leave a rating or review, or better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.